0: Well, I, uh, I'm going to make a confession today. I, uh, I had a really weird struggle during COVID and I know you're all probably like Adam, we all struggled in COVID, but I struggled and I struggled with puzzles and I know you're probably thinking puzzles. I was perfectly capable and able to complete the 100 piece Lightning McQueen puzzle. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, So I was completely apt at putting a puzzle together. Um, but, but I found myself in this weird tension between relaxation and frustration. Uh, I, uh, I, I enjoyed sitting there at the table, uh, putting a puzzle together, whether it was by myself, whether it was a family. I, it, it, was, it was actually a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed that kind of slower pace and just sitting there talking and doing that, or just having some time to myself. Uh, the problem was that when I started it, I needed to finish it, I, like I, I, I didn't like that feeling. That when I started a puzzle, it it wasn't done, uh, and so something like a five, a thousand piece puzzle, right? That that got a little bit more challenging for me again, with my internal struggle of this puzzle needs. be done. Uh, And so when I had to get up because I actually had to go do some actual work or it was like time for dinner, help around the house, hang out with the kids, that's when it really started to kind of gnaw at me because I was like, ah, the puzzle's not done though. Like I can't walk away from this puzzle. But it was like, hey, you got to do your online class, you know, like hey, like we're going to have dinner right where you're doing the puzzle. And I'm like, ah. So then you're like, you know, then I got to that piece where I was like, where's this piece go? That piece has got to be here somewhere. And you, you have that one piece that just never seems to fit anywhere. Like they threw an extra one into the box. And I'm like, this has got to go somewhere. And so I, I just started to have that tension where I was like, ah, ah, I can't do this. And Krista actually got to the point where she said to me, she said, Adam, I think you need to stop doing puzzles. <laughs> You know, it was, it was challenging, especially the thought that my kids were going to like steal one or knock them all over the floor. But I had to give it over, and I stopped doing puzzles. But last week, what did we see? We saw God, in his creation, piece by piece, begin to intricately weave the canvas together. Piece by piece, God built his world the way that he wanted it. how how it just seemed to be like a puzzle, right? That every piece that God puts together just fits so perfectly. The the way that the animals and the ecosystem interact, the way that the the stars and the, the sun and the moon and the seasons, how all of that just comes together. God just designed it in such a wonderful and amazing way. And he designed it for you and I to be a part of his world to be a part in relationship with him. And when we we read last week in Genesis chapter one, and going back to Genesis chapter one, starting verse 31, it said, God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And by the seventh day, God finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. So God designs everything and he functions everything the way that he wants it to be. And he looks at it and he goes, I'm very proud of what I've done. I'm very happy for this and I'm going to take a break. And so God rests. And now we come to chapter two. And chapter two has some overlap of chapter one. But it's it's a little bit different in terms of what its focus is. It focuses a lot more now in his creation, but his creation of man and woman and how that interaction looks to be. So in Genesis chapter two, starting in verse seven. It said, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put man he had formed, and the Lord God made of all kinds of trees growing out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden was, were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river watering the garden flowed from even, and there it was separated into the four headwaters. The name of the first, the Phishon, and its winds entered through the, the, land, the entire land of Havilah where there is gold. The gold of the land is good, and aromatic resin, and and oxen are there also. The name of the second river is Gahan, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, and it runs the east side of Ashur, and the fourth is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took man to put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from the tree and in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. And so he brings man and he puts him in the garden and he says, I got a job for you. He says, what I want you to do is I want you to work this and I want you to care for this place. This beautiful world that I've established. And he says, you can, you can eat of any tree, but just don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, you're going To die. And so what do we see here? We see the beginnings of a relationship. See, in chapter 1, the name for God is Elohim. And in chapter 2, you might see there in your passage, it goes from God and it says the Lord God. And it changes from Elohim to Yahweh. And and Elohim was kind of more of a generic word for God. It meant kind of strength or creator. And some might look at this and go, well, uh, are you just saying that the God that created all of this is just a generic God? Any one God that exists? No, that's not what I'm saying. But for the particular nuance of the word, right, the, the author, the scriptures were just trying to let us know that God is the creator of this world. And that God has the power to create. But then when we get to chapter two and he switches it to to Yahweh, it's now a personal name. See, Yahweh communicates a God of relationship. That when we use the term Yahweh, it's specifically designed to distinguish the God of Adam, the God of Israel, the God of all creation. It is specifically designed. To separate him from all of the other fake gods that people will put their trust in. And so this relationship continues then. Because what does God, what does Yahweh do? He gives life to Adam and he gives him purpose. He breathes life into Adam and Adam comes alive. And then he says, Adam, you are to take care of my creation. You you are to rule over it and subdue it. And think about that. You know, when when I leave and go away on vacation, I just don't turn to some random stranger and say, here are the keys to my house. Please take care of it. I find somebody that I have a relationship with, that I trust, that that I care for and go, will you please watch over my house? And that's what God does with Adam and and not only that but when he puts him in the garden he says i'm going to give you everything that you need i'm going to care for you and provide for you i'm going to i'm going to give you provision of of food and sustenance because i care for you and and in this relationship as well he says again you can eat of everything but don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't eat from that tree and so what does that do in the relationship? It now establishes a sense of authority and obedience between God and Adam. And so Adam is called to live in relationship with God, to do the purpose that he called him to do and to obey him. And so, God go- so Adam goes about doing what God called him to do. And so now we come to verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that's what it's name. So the man gave names to all of the livestock, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with the flesh. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. So at some point, God looks down and says, Adam looks lonely. I'm going to help. I'm going to help Adam. I'm going to I'm going to create something for him. Because, see, the relationships that existed between Adam and God and Adam and animals right now wouldn't suffice. They weren't comparable." Because see, Adam was inferior to God, but he was superior to the animals. And God said, there's got to be something comparable for Adam to have a relationship with. And so Adam falls asleep and he takes a part of him. And out of that, he creates Eve and he creates woman. And he goes, yeah, that will fit. That will do. And we see another relationship, the relationship of marriage between a husband and a wife. And, And I want to dive a little bit deeper into this relationship between man and woman. Because I think it's important that we hear this, because again, this is in the very beginning of God's story. That God established this relationship the way that he wanted it. And so again, man's, man's alone, and, and woman is designed to help that, right? We see that in this relationship that there's really two parts of this: the sameness and there's difference. That when, when he creates woman, she is the same in man in terms of genetic makeup and humanity. right? In verse 23, what does it say? "From, from bone of bone and flesh of my flesh." Right? She has that same capacity of, of eyes and lungs and, and a heart. She has the same emotional capacity as, as Adam. She has the same intellectual capacity as Adam. She can, she can run and, and she can walk and she can jump just like Adam can do. But yet in that, re, in that relationship, there's also a difference. And he gives to Adam, he gives Eve with the intention of of what? A suitable helper. And that word helper is exactly what that means. She was designed to help Adam. But the word suitable is a little bit different. The word suitable here actually means that she is the opposite of Adam. And, And when I say opposite, she's not in opposition, but she's the other side of the coin. And in this difference of of relationship, Adam was given the authority to rule and to subdue. And then Eve comes along and God says, you're going to help Adam in this process. You're going to be the helper. She was to she was to compliment Adam and, and vice versa, that Adam was to compliment Eve and to further flush this out, that, that in the, we'll, we'll get into this next week a little bit more, but in the next chapter, that when the sin happens and the curse happens, the curse is directly related to the chief purpose of man and woman. And what does he say to man? He says, you're gonna, you're gonna toil the ground by the sweat of your brow. And what does she say to Eve? You're gonna have painful childbirth. Because Why? Because God had said to man, he said, you're the authority and you're going to be the caretaker. You're going to be the provider of everything. And he says to Eve, he says, you're going to be the nurturer. Right. There's a reason why our boys tend to play in the dirt and always turn their sticks into swords and guns. There's a reason why that whenever my children get hurt, they tend to run to their mother. Because that's the way that God designed it. And God said, this is going to be the best way for you to function together. This is going to be the way that I established it. But I want us to remember something. God created both the sameness of their humanity and their difference in their function. That came from God. He made male and female in his image. He made man to be an authority, and he made Eve to help in that process. And what else do we notice? That in the sameness and difference, when we get to the end of chapter 2, it says, You leave your father and mother, and you are united. That Adam and Eve were united together. They held fast. They stung together. They they clung together. They were bound to one another. That in their relationship, they were united. They didn't care that they were the same and they didn't care that they were different. Because they were united in the purpose that God had given them. And you know what? They were naked and they felt no shame. They had no problems in that relationship. And so the way that God designed them, they were comfortable. God created them to be. They were were functioning perfectly. They they were designed to live in unison together that way. In a relationship with one another. Another to help one another, to be there, to care for one another. And in the eyes of God, they were both loved and cherished creations. And God said, go, I've given you each purpose. And out of that purpose, go fill the earth with more of my children who will live in relationship with me and who will live in relationship with you. And collectively together, you will glorify my name. That's the way that God set it up. And then what happened? Sin emerged. The serpent came in. And he began to tell a different story. And what did we do? We bought into the lies. Isaiah 14 says this. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Ziphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. See, Satan came to us and said, you guys can do better. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just give it a, give it a, give it a try. See what you can do. And we looked at God and said, God, I want to try my hand at creation. And so we said, we're going to redefine the rules of relationship. And so what did we do? Well, the world gave us a toxic masculinity. The world said, you know what? Men are going to lead from their authority, but they're not going to lead from the servant model of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. We're going to lead in selfishness. And I'm going to use my physical strength as a dominance. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make my wife completely at my needs, and she's going to live barefoot and pregnant at my beckoning call. And what did this world do? It gave its wife a violent backhand and beat her into submission. And then it fostered a world of sexual pleasure. It said, I'm going to objectify women, that I'm going to get what I, what I want. And if they don't give me what I want, I'm going to take it from them by force. And so the world gave us a set of broken relationships. And then the world gave us liberal feminism. It said, you know what, we we need to create an equality in the sense of rights and, and social standing, which was fine. But then it said, that's not enough. And it ran beyond that scope. And it said, I want to reverse the roles that God created. I, I want to have something that's not mine. This isn't good enough. And it gave us a world that, that began to say that, you know what? I don't need a man. And it began to browbeat man into submission. And any time man tried to act like a man, the world then said, that is evil. And what you need to do is get in touch with your feminine side. And it destroyed every aspect of masculinity that existed. And so instead of working together, it taught us to work alone. And it gave us another set of broken relationships. And then the world said, we're not done. Instead of I pronounce you husband and wife, it now inserted the words of the same sex. It said, I'm going to be united. I'm going to stick Closely. I'm going to cling and be bound to someone in a permanent relationship that God never intended for us to be in a permanent relationship. And that relationship ultimately destroyed one of the very first principles that God God gave man, which is to fill the earth. And that no longer can happen in that relationship. Instead of having two sides of the coin, it now left us with a void in the relationship. And not only in a marriage, but now it also said, instead of a mother and a father, which were perfectly designed to raise a child, we're gonna miss part of that gap. And so the world decided it was gonna change the structure of family. And it gave us another set of broken relationships now the world's been on a, on a crusade to make gender fluid. It's been out there to destroy the concept of man and woman. And it said, you know what? Just go with your feelings and emotions. That's, that's how you need to live. And it decided to ignore all of the biological constructs that God created. You know, what always seemed to be a given has now become a head-scratching thing in this world, hasn't it? We now have to deal with the issue of, do I call them he, she, or they? When a child's born, I don't simply mark male or female. Now we have to wonder if the parents are going to just let their child grow up and decide what they want to call themselves. We've now gotten to a place where we've encouraged children and we've allowed them to make life-altering decisions to their body because we're told that a child knows its body's best. And they fought for that and they fight for it now. And so the world said, go ahead and fluctuate between a man and a woman. Whatever your desire is, whatever your whim is, go ahead. And you know what, let's not even stop there. Let's, not, let's just not fluctuate between man and a woman, but let's do this. Maybe you want to call yourself both. Maybe you want to call yourself neither. Or what we begin to see now, maybe you want to call yourself an animal. And so the world is now left with wrestling with a dilemma of trying to say that there is not a difference between a man and a woman, yet at the very same moment, we're still trying to preserve the idea that man and woman exists. And what did it do? It gave us another set of broken relationships. God created a world for us to live in. We were uniquely designed to live in a relationship with God and to design to live in a relationship with one another. And then sin emerged and we decided to change the rules. So how do we undo what we have undone? Well, that's where we got to go to the scriptures. Galatians 3 tells us there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female for you. were all one in Christ Jesus. God says, first off, look, you're all my children. You are all loved by me. You were all provided for me. One of you is not better than the other one. I value you all the same. It doesn't matter your ethnicity. It doesn't matter your social standing. It doesn't matter your bank account. It doesn't matter if you are a man or a woman. I love you. And I died for each and every one of you. And we also see in Psalm 139... It says, For you were created by my inmost being. You met me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I knew that full well. Again, when when God made this world, he, he praised it and he said, It's very good. We were part of that when he said, It's very good. And God has his hand in creation. That when we are in our mother's womb, God is knitting together our our, our skin tone. And he's knitting together our dimensions of height. And he's, he's knitting together our personality. God's hand is in that. That is God moving in the womb of a mother. And when you are born into this world, you are a miracle of God. And you are wonderful to God. But again, what did we do? We looked at what was the same. And we looked at what was different. And we decided to ruin it. Isaiah 45.9 says, Woe to those who quarrel with their maker. Those who are nothing but, but potsherds among the potsherds on the ground. Does the clay say to the potter, What are you making? See, this is where we went wrong. You and I, as the clay, said to the maker, We said, No, 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 you got this all wrong. What you did, God, I don't know what you were thinking. I have a better idea of how to create God. I have have a better way to design the world which you should have created in the first place. We we as the clay, we, we took the tools and we began to redesign ourselves. The pot said to the potter, you are a fool and you have no idea what you are doing. And what did we do? We turned a masterpiece into a mess. And the more that we continue to try to craft our way out of it, the more we continue to stray from God's original design. So we need to put the tools down. We need to give the canvas back to God. And he needs to remold us. But ultimately, the only way to undo what we have done is to give that over to Christ. Because we've already seen what happens when our hands try to create. And so in Ephesians chapter 5, he gives us a picture of marriage. In verse 21, he says, Wives, submit submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which is the Savior. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And after all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself And the wife must respect her husband. See, this this picture of marriage that God gave in the very beginning of creation was designed to be a picture between God and his people, the church. It's a relationship that exists upon care and obedience. It's a relationship that, that exists upon the foundation of unconditional love. It's not meant to to, to rule out of dominance and power and and, and a sense of submission the way that the world defines it. But it's designed to rule based upon the way that God wanted it to. Because, see, the picture of marriage, the reason why I have my wife is because together with my wife, we move in unison towards the holiness of Christ. Christ. That my wife compliments my shortcomings and I compliment hers. And to my children between a father and a mother and their child. It's designed to point our children to holiness. It's designed to point our children to Christ. And every time we ruin that relationship, we veer off the course of holiness and we veer down the path of sin. But praise be to Christ that he has washed the canvas clean with his blood and said, by the tool of the cross, I will make you new. And so when you consider who you are and you consider the way that God designed you, you are not here by accident. You are not a mistake. You are not here by chance When you, the reason why you are here is because God made you and said, you are very good the way that you are. That God perfectly designed us the way that he wanted. So if you are struggling, if you are wrestling in that tension about how God designed you. Or maybe there's somebody in your family or a friend who's wrestling with these issues. You need to know and they need to know that God made them the way he wanted and there is nothing wrong with them. Matter of fact, he loves you so much that he said, I'm going to give my life to have you back. The way that I wanted you. So cling to Christ. Cling to his will. Let Christ remake who we are. And let him remake our hearts. Let's pray. God, we live in a world right now that is broken, I think, in ways that perhaps... Even five years ago, we couldn't imagine the the wrestling that we would see within this nation and in this world. But Lord, your truth is eternal. And from the very beginning of of your story, Lord, you, you put us as characters in your word. You put us as characters in a relationship with you. You showed us your character of grace and love and perfect design. And so, Lord, I pray for this world. I pray for this culture that, Father, we would stop following the lies of Satan and we would start following your path. Lord, again, if there is hurt and there is struggle, I pray that we don't conceal, but we're willing to come forward to say, I need Christ in my life. And I pray that as we interact with those in this world, that argue against these relationships, Father, that we would point them in a gracious and loving manner, pointing them back to Christ, because that is the greatest joy and blessing they can find. Amen.